we had a four practitioner practice. I got to work with really fantastic practitioners. I really wanted people that I could refer to locally that I really thought were brilliant. And that was one of the main reasons for the clinic in lots of ways. I thought, well, the more people we can get access to acupuncture, the better. And if I'm really lucky to have these fantastic practitioners as well that I could refer to, it doesn't really get better than that. Welcome to Acupuncture West London, the podcast. This is the podcast for students, practitioners, and enthusiasts of classical Chinese philosophy, Chinese medicine, and acupuncture. I'm your host, Ben Carrigan, coming to your ears all the way from London. So join me as we dive deep down the rabbit hole of Chinese philosophy and into the very concepts that inform our practice. Each episode focusing on a specific topic and its application within a clinical setting. This episode is brought to you courtesy of our brand new ebook, Yin and Yang. What are Yin and Yang? What are the laws of Yin and Yang? And how are they used as defining principles for our very existence? To answer these questions and more, download your free copy at acupuncture-westlondon.com forward slash free ebook. Welcome to part three of our A Year in Business podcast series. Over three episodes, we're talking to practitioners who have set up businesses in various guises. We're discussing the various pros and cons, considerations and potential pitfalls of setting up a practice from home, setting up as a practitioner within an established clinic, as a sole trader or as an employee, and setting up your own business. In part one, we spoke with Rachel Marks from Oak Ridge Acupuncture. She talked us through a year in business and lessons learned from setting up her own home practice in Horsham, West Sussex. In part two, we spoke with Vicky Newman from Cherry Tree Acupuncture. She talked us through a year in business and lessons learned from setting up as a practitioner within the Marine Clinic, an established clinic in Rottingdean, East Sussex. If you haven't listened to parts one and two, check them out. So to conclude our year in business series, today in part three, we're speaking to Emma Eaton. Emma is a fully certified member of the British Acupuncture Council. Having initially set up as Eaton Acupuncture, her own practice from home, Emma expanded in April 2019, setting up her own busy clinic in the centre of Cobham, Surrey. Her clinic, the Cobham Acupuncture and Reflexology Clinic, recently hit its one-year anniversary. Today she's talking to us from Cobham, where she's going to talk us through a year in business, how she's managed her own busy practice, particularly in the times of COVID-19, and her plans moving forward. Hi Emma, thanks for joining us today. Hello, hello. I was I quite like the way you said I was certified. I think that's that's very accurate. Good, good. <laughs> I am definitely certified. Yes, <laughs> in so many ways, so many good, ways. Good, good. Because yeah, it's always that thing. Do you say fully certified? Is there such a thing as fully certified? Do you just say registered? Do you just say member? Who knows? Just a bit bonkers is probably just a quite bit bonkers. accurate. <laughs> yes, I think so. Good, good. So, um, so yeah, how are you doing? First of all. Yeah, we're good. I mean, we've talked many a time over the last few months, so we all we know have. that there's a lot of crazy going on. A lot um, of crazy. And things have, you know, changed quite a lot. And uh, yeah, just kind of taking it all one week, one month, one day at a time, whatever we can do. But I think I have spent an awful lot of the last sort of 10 years or so saying things like, I haven't got time, I haven't got time. And then suddenly I had a lot of time and I thought, well, I need to stop saying I haven't got time and get on with it. 
<laughs> all the things that I say, like I haven't got time to exercise, I haven't got time to do this. I got so I've really tried to use it as a, a self-care development time as well as everybody else kind of making sure that, uh, you know, we're not, we're all on the ups and downs as well. I can't say it's all been baking banana bread, that's for certain, but definitely try to use it as an opportunity. But I would say any banana bread is probably a bonus. Yes, absolutely. You know? <laughs> and I have no, no, no uh, language learning yet. Yeah, oh, really? Oh, right. Okay, good. Yeah, no, well, I, I haven't gone uh, down that route either, to be honest. I've read a few books and I've started a podcast, which was uh, what people do when they're, they've got nothing else to do. It sounds like great work, especially this. I think it's going to be a brilliant voice and really useful to loads of acupuncturists. So. Oh, well, thank you. Hurrah. Well, time will tell, won't it? <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about, I know you initially set up your own home practice, and then you moved into working within established practices. And then you've just been in practice in your own practice, which just hit its uh, one year anniversary recently, maybe about a month and a half ago. Yep, yep. So can you tell me a little bit about how you started out and the progression to where you are now? Sure. So I uh, graduated in 2016 and I was very lucky insofar as the way our house is uh, shaped, I guess, and we were doing some refurbishment work. I was able to have a home clinic with a separate entrance, um, which allowed me for the first few years to really kind of get stuck in without any rent, really kind of, kind of, I guess, get good at what I was doing, learn everything. Um, I also, after the first year of working at home, I took a room for one day a week in a local, um, it's called the Medicine Garden, it had a treatment room. So I worked from there for one day a week as well. Um, and then I, uh, after working kind of between the two for about four or five years, I got very, very busy and I decided that as much as I loved working from home and I loved the flexibility of working at home, I missed having other practitioners to work with and I missed going to work and I, I missed some boundaries that I guess working from home removes a little bit. Uh, and so I decided to take a room um, within a gym and I decided to kind of set up a model whereby I was working with three other practitioners, all of which were brilliant. And uh, we were very lucky. We got very busy and I personally absolutely loved it. And then I guess if we, we did that for about a year, did that for about a year. And then in the last few weeks, I got to a point of having to decide whether to continue working there in terms of renewing the lease for another year. And then I've just made uh, the big decision to not continue and renew the lease there. And then I'm actually moving the practice home. Right. So there's lots in there to unpick in terms of decisions and pros and cons. Um, but it's definitely, as they say on Strictly, been a journey, I would it's say. It's been a journey. It's do been they a say journey. That? They do. They do. Right. I believe you don't know that. I'm yet to watch Strictly. No, I know it's <laughs> terrible. I know. If ever there was a time to catch up on Strictly, it's now. It will fill your, <laughs> fill your heart with joy and glitter. Okay, so, I'll, I'll look forward to that. I feel like if I reflect on it all, I definitely feel like I've changed an awful lot. I think when I first graduated 
a home clinic was perfect because it, like I say, I didn't have to pay rent. It gave me loads of flexibility. Um, I have a daughter who's nine um, and I would love to be able to separate work from the home environment, but that's played as a primary caregiver. Um, My husband works full time. I have had to factor that in as well. And that really helped for the first few years of being set up. Um, And then, like I say, kind of being able to create the clinic in Cobham. And then I guess if we move super fast to where we're at, that everything's been happening for the last few months, I just feel that bringing the clinic back home with all its pros and cons um, was the right thing to do for me, really. So it's been, it's definitely been lots of change. But I think we have to change. We change as practitioners, you know, we change, the seasons change. We talk lots to patients about change in Chinese medicine. So I think that's kind of where I've been at, changing lots and adapting to what's been presented. Yeah, I mean, particularly at the moment, you know, uh, being flexible is such a huge part of everyone's lives, really. I mean, as, as challenging and stressful as it is for many of us in different ways. But, you know, I know from speaking to you that you were researching so many different ways of framing things and looking into different options and being decisive about the best option for you. I think it was, yes. was really, really strong. Yes, I think my new favorite word is agile. And agile. I like agile. That's good. It's a great word, isn't it? I, I've definitely banned unprecedented over the last few months, and I've definitely banned the new normal. I don't think any of us can hear those phrases again. But oh, my, yeah, new, totally. my new, more positive one is agile. And um, I, I had actually been thinking about specializing for a while. And this has kind of, I guess, accelerated everything because what I'm going to do is specialize in, uh, well, menopause over 40s female health. And that's always been something I've loved. Um, And, you know, I did my dissertation on it many years ago. Oh, okay. And so I've seen it as a, so I guess if I think in blocks of how how I've practiced over the last few years, I would say the first one was kind of, rabbit caught in headlights just graduated didn't really know what I was doing had the flexibility of being at home could really sort of you know not the Ratner's approach but very much kind of pilot high sell it cheap (laughs) said yes to everybody you know people would ring up and say they've got this and I remember thinking okay I'm just going to quickly google that but I'm sure I can handle it so (laughs) it was it I think that's definitely been my first block And then I think I kind of started to want to, I wanted more. I wanted to learn off other practitioners, perhaps got a bit lonely from just doing a home clinic. Yeah. Um, So then I got into renting a room at the Medicine Garden for one day a week. I think the only thing I'd say about that, I was slightly naive because I think I, I, I kind of did it for two main reasons. The first one was because I guess in my mind, this isn't this is pre-COVID land. I thought that having a clinic out of the house for at least one day a week would give me credibility. Um, and I kind of also thought that I would get to mix with other practitioners, not other acupuncturists, but I naively thought it would give me a piece of community but actually in reality what happened was I just went in on my own on a day didn't really see any other practitioners <laughs> yeah, got really friendly with the lovely 
coffee lady. She was great <laughs> and actually became a patient who I was still oh, treating really? till recently. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so that well, was lovely. Time. And the shop yep. lady and all that. But I think kind of naively I thought, oh, if I join there, I'll be – and that's no reflection to them. It was just really the setup because you go in and you do your stuff. And I've always been really lucky insofar as I've been very busy. Um, so I guess that didn't really give me – what I wanted in sense of kind of a community and a, a best practice share as such. Um, so that's kind of another block where you're sort of entering out and trying different places. And then the kind of final, most recent chapter, not the final, obviously, most recent chapter is where we had, you know, a four practitioner practice. I got to work with really fantastic practitioners, not just saying it because you were one of them. But <laughs> I, and then it kind of evolved again and I got a bit more into outsourcing. I guess it kind of clarified my mind on what sort of practitioner I was. And then this next block, which is hopefully to come up, is all about kind of specialising, um, being a, being solo because I guess that's what we need at the moment, you know, especially with those yeah. horrific words of localized lockdowns and, um, you know, homeschooling, blended learning potentially if there are other outbreaks. So I of guess course. COVID sort of triggered for me. It made me realize that I was quite vulnerable, I guess, as a practitioner. It made me realize that uh, I'd perhaps become uh, a jack of all trades and a master of none. And I guess this has kind of made me really sort of come into where I'm at in my life. It gave me another sort of time to change and to start specializing and to go really deep into one subject and hopefully become an expert in that subject and be able to give a bit more holistic advice. So it's just not just about kind of the acupuncture as such so I don't know if any of that makes sense that's my blocks do you like my blocks I do I love your blocks they're great um so I try and think of a better label for them. <laughs> no, that's sounds good. a bit boring <laughs> no I think we can work with blocks um <laughs> but um yeah I mean I think that the COVID-19 thing obviously we all know has been challenging for everyone I think for me the best moments came almost when I was staring at a wall you know where you kind of have this downtime enforced on you which is very rare and I guess if there was any positive to be taken from it it was you know we've all done a few CPDs we've tried to bake banana bread or do whatever but it's been really great to just have time to reflect like you said on what do I want to do going forward you know for me I thought I want to dive into pulses and also I want to educate myself but I figured for me the best way to educate myself was to be accountable for it and I think having been in college the last couple of years, I just feel a little bit exhausted or a little bit burnt out from motivating myself. So having accountability to something like this podcast where I have to be accountable to others yeah. has kind of tricked my metal yang sensibilities into having a way to learn, but to share it with others, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it really has uh, made me stop. It's made me think. Uh, it's it's I, I have to do a... Quite a big shout out to uh, Narva Carmen, um, who I think is excellent. And I did her marketing CPD. Oh, did and you? And one of the most useful things that she does, and this is actually when I thought I was about to sort of, I was very much on the train to reopening um, because I was quite late Lucy on my decision. It wasn't something that, it definitely took me a few months to get to that decision. 
but her um, CPD or marketing was really very good. And it made you really think because I had hurtles, you know, there's no two which ways about it. I hurtles through my degree, you know, I had quite, you know, my daughter was very young. I loved it with all my heart, but it, it was hard. It was tough. You know, it was very juggly. And then I sort of hurtled into opening up. And then I felt slightly like I hurtled into opening up Cobham. And so it's been really nice to just stop hurtling. And I really found her modules actually made you ask some questions. You know, what does your ideal patient look like? What, what do you really love doing? You know, how will you change? And I think I, I'm ne- I've never really self-reflected on, well, hang on, that's who I was six years ago, but is that who I am now? Um, mm. Aren't we fortunate? What we all needed was a pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <Not>. <laughs> so um, it's very easy to sort of get to a point where you tread water, isn't it? And you're just going into work and treating people and going up and down in terms of confidence levels, which I guess is going to happen to all of us anyway. Absolutely. And I was a great one for ramming them in. You know, I, I was mm. knackered. I used to do a lot on a Tuesday, 12 patients. Um, and that's not multi-room, that's single-roomed and not many for some people I know, but it was a lot for me. And I just, I think I, I was knackered at the end of it. And I think all of that needs to be kind of looked at. And, you know, I love my job, love, love, love my job. But when it gets to a point of doing too much, are you giving them the best? Are you becoming slightly resentful? Are you, you know, of course that's going to happen in any job, but just felt I'd lost a little bit of uh, added value. Probably a good way to put it. Yeah. So this course of Nava Carmen's, one thing I signed up for was a free video course that she was offering on, I think it was on email marketing and how to set up a list and how to create content. Was that the same one or was this an actual proper CPD? No, no, this is one of her modules. So she does a diploma in fertility, which is excellent. I hear it's fabulous, Um, yeah. um, Really in depth. And in fact, she was, you know, without girl fanning too much, she was very, (laughs) uh, very, very good at showing me how to be an expert and deciding what you want to do and going for it. So she definitely inspired me to kind of go to the new level. That doesn't mean if this hadn't all happened, would I still be at Cobham? Would I still be working with an amazing group of people? Absolutely. But I think it's, it's, I would say it's a forced change, but actually I've made the decision. So I I need to kind of stop saying it's a forced change because it was me who's, who's made the decision. Good. But I would really recommend it for anybody feeling a bit lost um i would definitely recommend it yeah i've heard nothing but good things about all her courses and anything i've seen online i know she does a monday mastermind thing which i've tuned into a couple of times and uh, she's very concise and great at delivering information easy to listen to breaks things down into really manageable chunks which is super yes i think in in as an acupuncturist like i say it's such a fab job but it's so easy to just get a bit lost in it all, I think. Um, you know, those 45-minute appointments and not really take a step back and go, hang on a sec. And I always say to my husband, which drives him nuts, but I always say to him, well, in my job, I don't get an appraisal. I don't get a bonus. I don't have the promotion. So I think you have to find different ways of developing but it needs to come with you. And I think the only way you can do that is by asking yourself tough questions. And it's very 
easy to not ask tough questions. So for me, she asked, they went to her tough questions, but it made me perhaps reflect more uh, and make hopefully some good decisions going forward. Well, it's always interesting to hear other people's perceptions uh, on the same situation or to give you different contexts, which I find really helpful. And she's, I quite, she's very honest. And I think one thing that we can have all these feelings about, you know, I, are my boundaries that good? Why am I not charging more money? Is yes. it because of self-worth issues? You know, blah, blah, blah. Not to get too heavy too early. Yeah, no, well, that's important stuff because yeah. um, that was one thing I wanted to ask you, actually. Maybe uh, we just talked about, you know, setting up at home and setting up in an established clinic and then setting up your own clinic. And one thing was in terms of how do you do that and pricing and how you do that and how you manage your own business, how you set up appointments, yes. how you create boundaries. So have you found there's been a difference between the various ways that your business has been structured over the years? Definitely. I think when I first started, it like I say, it was very much, you know, say yes to anything, pile the patients in, just keep going. Everything was on a shoestring. You know, I designed the logo. I used black and white because it was cheap. I did my own website. <laughs> I mean, I laugh now because it was very clunky, to say the least. Um, but I did it. I didn't have any budget, you know, how expensive it is to study. So everything was very uh, quirky, shall I say. That's probably a good word. Um, but it was it was very, what's it called? Scarpa or whatever, isn't it? They say, I don't know. Anyway, it was very like a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> but it got it, it got me through. It got me through, and it did a great job. So that was definitely. I mean, nobody has pots of money coming out, do they? Let's be honest. So no. I had to, and and the fact I was at home, I didn't have massive outlay. Obviously, I had furniture, but they were all IKEA finest, of course. And I did everything I could to make the room as look as lovely as possible because I really wanted to get that kind of quality experience in as much as possible. So it was very much on a shoestring when I started. And I think as, as it's evolved again, I've been super lucky. People come, people tell their friends. I've always been busy. Well, not initially. Nobody's busy initially. It takes time. But I sort of just got, I had a lot of lucky breaks. You know, I, I had success with people who were quite influential locally, like a couple of physios, a GP, um, people who run shops and I was really really fortunate that they sung from the rooftops that they'd had success through acupuncture and with me so a lot of it has been referral and in fact for two years when I was working at home I didn't advertise at all and I was booked and had a waiting list that's great I was just really really lucky that key people liked it key people wanted to say nice things about me but it was just slightly depressing not being able to give people access to acupuncture. And also there wasn't a huge amount of people that were practicing locally. And I really wanted people that I could refer to locally that I really thought were brilliant. Um, and that was one of the main reasons for the clinic in lots of ways. I thought, well, the more people we can get access to acupuncture, the better. And if I'm really lucky to have these fantastic practitioners as well that I could refer to it doesn't really get better than that so that's that was kind of the, the trigger as such so but I definitely over time realized the value in investing 
other people to do things that they are better at than me. So for example, in the last year or so, I've using a virtual receptionist. Well, I was going to get onto that actually. Yeah. I might get onto that in a moment if you don't mind. I was going to ask you about the point that you decided to set up your own clinic, which was my next question, which you just touched on. Yes. So this was really to do with referrals and the fact that you'd already established relationships with GPs and you had a, a yes. buildup of patients from home. So it was just a natural progression like that. There were lots of reasons for it. I think I started to go a bit bananas being at home on my own. Yeah. I think I really felt that I wanted to talk about best practice. I felt I kind of stopped learning a little bit and I'd kind of got fatigued in terms of self-motivation. Plus add in, I just felt that there was this, there are cons to working from home. Yes. I was going to ask you about boundaries, because obviously working from home, you have, let's say, if you're working nine to five, you know, for me working from home, I think I mentioned this with Vicky yesterday, you get to a certain point during the day. And if you've been sitting at your computer, it's very hard to just go downstairs and switch off. So I always have to leave and go outside. And I'm very strict about if someone emails or texts me at five past six, I just don't reply till the next day, which sounds a little bit militant, but no. I just don't do it unless it's urgent. I know. Because I feel it's very important to set those boundaries. What's your take on that? Well, I think that's brilliant. I mean, I can't say I've been as good as that in any way. I mean, it's definitely on my list of things going forward. And I did hear about somebody talking about arches, so that when you walk out of an arch, you know, so I, and I quite like that. And I'll probably try and apply that going forward, that I literally, maybe when I finish a clinic day, I go out the work arch into the home arch. It's quite sweet, isn't it? Yeah. Having these imaginary arches. Yeah. But I've been terrible at it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I, I really do appreciate, I need to get better at my boundaries. And I was just a bit of a dabster for having the iPad in the lounge, doing a bit of work at night, not really being present for my daughter or the husband or yeah, getting very mixed up. Uh, yeah, not good at all. And I think one of the things I found difficult about working from home is that people knew a lot about me. And for me, I found that difficult. So, for example, I had uh, I was I had a new car. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know right. that sounds a silly thing, but about three or four years ago, I decided I'd been saving my pennies up and I brought a new car. Wasn't a flashy car. Wasn't a Porsche. Wasn't a Ferrari. Wasn't my car for dreams. It's a Polo, <laughs> but it was a newish car. And the amount of patients that came in and you know weren't making any comment but obviously had observed the new car and then it's like oh I see business is good then and <laughs> for me I just felt like well I don't necessarily want people to know that much about me that I think that yeah. I wanted to be the practitioner I wouldn't have shared I had a new car normally no. <laughs> I didn't really want to talk about the choice of car I just wanted to and I you know I'm much I'm, I'm really like to think I'm pretty good at managing a conversation and a patient that it comes with over a few years and of course I could cut it down in the nicest possible way but it just it 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 tweaks me you know it I just well, thought I don't want people knowing about my new car and making judgments about how much I'm <laughs> charging them well words come to mind that I probably can't say on this podcast without getting some sort of exclaimer so uh <laughs> but you know 
I mean, that's the thing about working from home. And it is quite a thing to invite someone into your home anyway. Um, it's quite a big thing to have someone into that space and then for them to leave. I always had this sort of worry if I set up at home that people would turn up on my doorstep on a Saturday afternoon or something when I'm, I don't know, sitting down having a glass of wine or whatever. Uh, late afternoon, obviously, late afternoon. Uh, <laughs> we, both, <laughs> you know. we, both know, we both know you mean five past 12, Ben. Come on. Five past both, 12. <laughs> maybe oh. a minute past if it's a bad day. <laughs> a minute past, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's already in the freezer, Emma, you know, just cooling down. I can't believe um, I'm not with you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, okay. So those are some of the cons, obviously, from working from home. So just on that, that's another thing that did happen to me a lot. So, um, yeah, so very lovely people would drop presents off. I mean, how, I mean, how evil am I for moaning about that? Isn't that a lovely thing? So they would drop off allotment produce. They dropped off bottles that I didn't mind, but it would be knocking on the door or coming around to the side. So one of my things, in t- so I did, when I decided to come back, I've got a wish list. So I said, okay, I'm coming back, but on these terms. And one of them is a really good bell entry system. <laughs> I oh, know that really? sounds oh, silly and great signage. Love a bit of signage. Because, you know, I was just over people wandering around and then leaving things on the door. And like you say, you know, they were lucky if I wasn't drunk when I answered the door. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I could have been shouting at the child. I could have been, you know. So I just, I probably wasn't wearing my best clothes, probably what I like to call my lockdown outfit now. Oh, a onesie um, or something. Exactly. Unicorn Star onesie. Star Wars onesie. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a bit cooler. But um, yeah, so it was, I found that really hard. I must admit it is really, that is yeah. hard. So there will definitely be some learnings for boundaries going forward as I come back here, I think. Yeah. But I think part of that is rebranding a little bit and uh, maybe not having patients quite so close together. Yeah. Because, when, again, when I first started, I would kind of do on the hour, every hour, and without a waiting room, that was difficult. You know, people would be staying in their cars, all of that. But that's another issue is that obviously post-COVID land, one of the things I really loved about not working at home was a waiting room, was a receptionist, and both of those things would have gone post yeah. you know, lockdown, which I would have been paying rent for. So that was another consideration. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, the pros of working from home, you know, you don't have rent to cover um, in the same capacity. You might have to look at alternative insurance options. You have to get in touch with your council, obviously, uh, to get a practice license and to uh, follow all their protocols like waste management and this, that, and the other. But once you move into an established clinic, then I spoke to Vicky yesterday where you have different models of potentially paying rent for a day or a half day versus giving a percentage of your income versus paying a a fixed cost per patient. Yes. And then there's working as an employee versus being self-employed under your own entity where you might have your own business name. And then you have your model, which is having your own business. So obviously, each has its pros and cons. So what have been the biggest considerations of setting up your own clinic? So I've done, um, I've experienced all of those different models. And um, so when I just had the one day at the Medicine Garden, that was a fixed rent per month. Um, I actually worked briefly at another clinic where it was 60, 60, 40, maybe it was 60, 40 in terms of percentage share. 
And then obviously at Cobham Clinic for the other practitioners, it was again a fixed rent that, that everybody paid. This, again, like everything, it's pros and cons. I really, for me personally, I struggled with the percentage share or the fixed price per patient, uh, both as a clinic owner and as a practitioner. I mean, for me, I really love the fixed rent because I really struggled with the fact that I would see 12 patients in a day and the clinic owner on would get a massive percentage of that. <laughs> and I'd be knackered. Yeah. And I also, for me personally, found that I couldn't commit to being part of the clinic in the same way. I think it was easy to be perhaps a little bit more lazy because you were like, well, if I don't have any patients, it doesn't really matter because I haven't really got that fixed price. So for me personally, I always preferred knowing how much rent I was paying per month. And I loved the fact that if I worked hard, I earned more money. Yeah. Um, however, <laughs> <laughs> if you are ill or if there's a family emergency or if you're on holiday or if there's a pandemic, it's a nightmare because you still have to pay. So it, I think when everything's great then the monthly payment really pays off but I think when things hit a fan then it's it's suffocating and it's a worry so absolutely yeah, yeah. and just so on one point you said Ben so I know you were saying about um at home you have to sort out your license and all of that but actually in even in clinics where they rarely they have another acupuncturist so I've actually had to sort that out at other clinics as well. Right. Okay. So worth mentioning that. Yeah, no, that's really good to mention. I mean, I haven't had to do that in my own clinic because the practice of there course. already has a license. Within London, I don't need a practitioner license because I'm within the borough of London. I'm covered under the British Acupuncture Council guidelines. But outside of London, there's different pockets where you need to research that a little more carefully. You do. I, so I kind of cross border on council. So I've had to get licenses. That's the other thing to be aware of. <laughs> Literally two miles. I've had to do a Mole Valley practitioner and practice license. And then I, I'm in Elmbridge and I've had to do a um, practice and practitioner license. But I have to say both of my experiences in that, they they have been brilliant. I haven't had any issues. I really feel that if you can relationship build with them, they want you to work. They can see we've all got degrees. We're not cowboys. They know that we know what we're doing. Our hygiene protocols pre-COVID were pretty damn good. So I, I've really found that if you can relationship build with them, it's it's been really beneficial, especially when I was in Cobham doing a clinic there and I rang them up and I said, look, I've got practitioners joining, but I have to be honest, we don't know how it's going to pan out. They might not like it. It might not work. I don't really want to invest in a practitioner license unless we're a bit more secure. And the, the guy that I'd met before and had come to the expectation uh, inspection was very supportive and was like well you know why don't we see how it goes and once they committed then we can and I just found that really helpful that's really good so I would definitely I would definitely view them 
as an ally, because I have had experience of government departments recently in terms of rates issues, etc. <laughs> and I would say, you know, the worst thing you can do is go in spoiling for a fight because they they have the power, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. Get a name and then hound them. Let them become your new best friend. A couple of emails a day should do it, shouldn't they? Oh, only two. Only two. <laughs> only two, okay. <laughs> I had a multi-pronged attack. <laughs> so I guess having to look into different councils, like you said, if you're crossing borders, from my understanding, they can be substantially different in costs and the hoops that you yes. have to jump through. So that's also worth looking into and asking those questions. It can be frustrating as well. I mean, I know that I paid something like £300 for a clinic licence and the guy was there for four and a half minutes, Wow! of which three of them were talking about tattoo uh, artists. Oh, right. That's really <laughs> now, I like to see that as a compliment because he could see that the clinic was very clean. I had a sink, you know, everything. I mean, it was me going, and I've got this and I've got that. And he, te- I mean, I'm not dissing the guy. He was great. But, you know, that's a lot of money when you're starting out to kind of invest in. Well, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you to Emma Eaton for joining me. Stay tuned for part two of my interview with Emma, which is also available now as episode nine. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about Emma, check out cobhamacupuncture.co.uk. For questions about today's episode, I'd love to hear from you, so do get in touch. Podcast at acupuncture-westlondon.com. Finally, don't forget to check out the show notes at acupuncture-westlondon.com forward slash podcast where you can also find more info on free trials and discounts for lots of clinic management solutions we've talked about in this episode. See you next time. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. To keep up to date with all of our upcoming episodes, sign up to our podcast newsletter. By doing so, you'll get your very own copy of my brand new ebook, Yin and Yang check out acupuncture-westlondon.com forward slash free ebook. See you next time.